Welcome to Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today is CPI Day. So I'm doing my usual CPI Day podcast. But first, I just want to tell a little story. So make yourself comfortable. It's not a long story, but it never hurts to get comfortable. And it's a story about my childhood. It's probably not the reason that you tuned into this podcast, but so long as you've gone ahead and clicked and you're listening anyway, you might as well listen to the story. So when I was young and growing up in Fort Worth, Texas, um, I went to summer camp at a YMCA there. That was only about probably three or four miles from my house as the crow flies, quite a bit longer by the roads. Uh, but it was a it was a resident camp, so you went for two weeks at a time. And there was this one time, I was probably 12 or 13 years old at the time, and my cabin decided we were going to go for a hike. That was our activity for the day. And so we took off in one direction, and we, we hiked for a while. We maybe had hiked for a mile or something. We, we came up this hill, and, and looking, looking ahead, there was, there was another hill a little further away, and it looked familiar to me. And... I realized that we were actually fairly close to my home at that point. We had been marching in the direction of my home. And I said, I said to my, my cabin mates, I said, hey, how would you guys like a nice cold soda? We could have a little Coca-Cola, a little Dr. Pepper. And uh, all we have to do is just keep marching and we'll get to my house and we can go in there and I'll give you guys all a Coke. And so that sounded great to them. So we, we set off and we went from the 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 hill that we were on, we went down to the valley and, and up another little hill. Now, this is, this is in north central Texas, so these are not mountains, okay? These nice rolling hills. We went up to this next hill uh, beyond which I expected to see uh, my home. And we got to the top of the next hill, and, uh, and, and we looked around, and uh, my house was not there. Um, there was, however, another hill a little further away, uh, that looked actually very much like the hill we had just come over, but I thought, okay, maybe that's the hill that I thought I was seeing the backside of. Now, at the time, of course, I was only, like I said, 12 or so, and I, I had not yet learned about inference and the idea of abstracting from the specific case to the general case. And, and so I said, okay, you know, I was wrong that's the hill, I think, that my house is on the other side of. And so we went down in the valley and back up over the hill and looked out, and wouldn't you know it, there's another hill. Well, to make a long story short, we kept going over these hills, and there was probably four of them, five of them, and my cabin mates were, were grumbling louder and louder each time, we were getting far away from the camp. We'd, we'd hiked quite a ways. It was quite hot because this is Texas in the summer, and I had promised them a soda. And finally, we went over to the last hill, and, we, I, and I did see my house, and we walked around, and, and wouldn't you know it, nobody was home. Uh, but that's okay. We broke in. We got sodas. Uh, it, it was all okay. Left, left a note for my parents, and then we had to walk all the way back to camp. Um, the relevance of this story, I'll tie in a little bit later, but I just wanted to, to start with that, give you a little insight to the young, the young inflation guy. 
Now let's talk about today's CPI, which was uh, in a series of, of really remarkable numbers that we've had over the last couple of years was, was no less remarkable. Um, it was higher than expectations. You know, we'd gone into this number thinking we'd get about a 0.7% month-on-month on headline, half a percent on core. And that seemed a little low because the last six of the last seven core numbers have been between 0.5 and 0.6. So it sort of seemed like, you know, we were lowballing it a little bit. Um, and the interbank market was, was pushing numbers that were slightly higher than that. But the actual print was 1% on the headline number uh, and 0.63% month-on-month on, on core. Of course, the headline number includes food and energy, and, and we know gasoline prices have been going up a lot. So that was not terribly surprising that it was higher than core, but both of those numbers were higher than expectations. And that put the, the year-on-year for core inflation at 6.0, uh, which is a little bit lower than it has been uh, than, uh, over the last couple of months. Uh, but it, the headline number, the headline inflation number went to about 8.6, which is a new high for the series. That was the highest month-on-month core print, by the way, since last June. Uh, the year-on-year number, as I said, still fell. We have a couple of, of tough comps uh, this month and, and June of 2021 were both high high months. So that's why core is going down, even though we're, we're still getting these high numbers. Um, and spoiler alert, uh, after June, we have July, August, and September of 2021 that were low core inflation numbers, or at least low compared to the current level. Uh, and so core inflation is going to probably reaccelerate a bit in, in the summer. Uh, the median inflation, which is what I tend to look at, it, it accelerated again. Actually, the month-on-month figure was was the highest uh, month-on-month figure since 1982, and the annualized number at 5.53% and rising is the highest ever recorded for the series, which starts in about 1982. <clears throat> and as I said, it's still rising. So we have headline went up year on year, core went down a little bit, median is is high and still rising and still setting record month-on-month numbers. We also had owner's equivalent rent. So if we, we so we, when we start drilling down here and you see owner's equivalent rent was 0.6, primary rent, rent of primary residence was 0.63. Um, you know, we, we'd, we'd seen higher numbers back in like 1991 and before for owner's equivalent rent. Uh, but it's been a very, very long time. And and these the housing figures have even they've sort of they've taken the top off my model that I, you know, I sort of thought that about here we were supposed to be leveling off a bit in terms of month on month changes. And the fact that we're still going up actually means that one of the subcomponents of my model, which has sort of less agreeable connotations, is probably more accurate. Um, I still don't necessarily see that, you know, housing prices or rents are going to go up 1% a month or 12% a year or something like that. But it's it's not entirely clear uh, that we have reached necessarily the peak in that. Uh, there were lots of things in, in any kind of number like this. There were lots of big 
big high numbers. Household energy was sort of interesting to look at. You know, that that includes it was four percent month on month. And you know, that was with fuel oil up eleven percent, which is seventy-six percent year over year. Piped gas, so natural gas that goes into your house, seven point eight percent month on month, and electricity. 1.9% month on month. So these are not small numbers. There were three negatives. Um, communications, uh, I think because of cell phone prices fell, and so communications was, were negative. Personal services and tenants and household insurance. And you wonder where this number would have been if we hadn't had three negatives. Because we really haven't had very many negative prints uh, from any meaningful size component, then those three pieces together are about 5% of the consumption basket. So they're not like, it's not like jewelry, you know, watches uh, went, went down or, or uh, canned hams or something that we spend very little money on. You know, those, those three pieces are, are non-negligible and they actually held down the number, which is weird. The long and the short is that pressures, inflation pressures don't, don't appear to be ebbing yet. Uh, if you look at things like the the median CPI, you know every month the monthly figure keeps going up. Never mind the year on year, but the monthly figure is still accelerating. And so, let's go back to my story. And and I said that I had not learned at the age of twelve about inference and abstracting from the specific case to the general case. And what I mean by that is. If you see a hill ahead of you and you go over the hill and, and you expect to see something uh, and instead you see another hill, that doesn't slightly change. It shouldn't slightly change your prediction. It changes the entire uh, landscape, intellectual landscape that, that you're on. Because now you're not on a specific case. You can't identify a specific hill that you went over. You went over a hill. And so far, all you know is that every time you go over a hill, there's another hill. And so you have a general case here that has no obvious stopping point. Now, obviously, I knew that somewhere at the end of this, my house was going to be found, assuming that I was going in the right direction. And similarly, we know that someday... There will be a peak in CPI that we do not exceed. But we just did exceed. We did, we, we, a couple months ago, we declared peak CPI. And I did too. I, I went through pains to say that we weren't at peak prices, but we were at peak CPI. Uh, and, and, and that turned out to be wrong. Not just on headline, but core is going to go back up and median is continuing to go up. And so... We, we declared peak CPI, and then we had another peak higher than that. And that doesn't just mean, okay, good, this is the final peak. It might mean that. But we don't yet have any evidence that, this, that we're coming to the final peak. The fact that we thought that was the last peak was predicated on a bunch of assumptions about what would happen when we started working through all of the uh, port congestion and uh, when the Biden administration released... Uh, released uh, uh, crude oil from this from the strategic petroleum reserve, and trucking prices, uh, shipping prices were going to go down. And some of those things have happened, and yet we still reached a new high. And so, you we can't 
just simply say, okay, you know, next couple of months we're going to get a new high, and then after that we'll decline. We almost cert- that almost certainly is true, but my degree of confidence that after that we won't have another peak um, goes down appreciably. And again, it's because we've moved from a specific case that we thought we understood to a general case that that we don't necessarily understand. Um, we can't say that the high in inflation is is in. In fact, it's almost certainly not in now. We probably have a few more months. Um, and we can't say that this is the last peak coming up. The best case is that what we've just seen is that and by the way, we are seeing decline in 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 freight. We are seeing uh, congestion at the ports uh, uh, downshifting, you know, uh, getting better. Um, and some of those those things are changing. And by the way, and I should also say that early, one of my early podcasts, I kind of talk about the fact that shortages are unmeasured inflation, and that once we we started, meeting the shortages that we would actually see prices go up. And so that's part of what's happening. But the best interpretation here, the best case interpretation is that I, I have used before the analogy that inflation is like a bag of microwave popping corn. And once you apply heat to the bag, everything starts to pop and each individual thing is, is a popping kernel. And the best case explanation here is that the microwave has been turned off which is to say the Fed is no longer uh, buying securities and they're shrinking their balance sheet ever so slowly, but they're shrinking their balance sheet. And what we're seeing are the last kernels popping. When we take the bag out of the... If you've you've never made microwave popping corn, this is a useless analogy, but most of us, I think, have. And so you take the bag out of the microwave and you still hear a couple pops going on because the bag is still hot. And it takes a little while, and eventually they all stop. And and maybe that's what's happening here, that you know the the Fed has has started to do what they're going to do, and we just have to play out this last little bit. But I have a fear, and the fear is this, because I've spoken about this before. When you when when you raise interest rates, one of the things which happens is you get an acceleration in monetary velocity. And that happens for a couple of reasons. And one of the reasons is that uh, banks get much more eager to lend when interest rates go up and people don't get appreciably less eager to borrow. Uh, the mortgage market changes, but you know, if, you're, if you go from 15.5% on your credit card to 16%, it doesn't really change your decision. And yet banks get much more interested in lending there. Similarly, if you're a, a uh, weak corporate borrower and you're borrowing it at 7% and that goes up to 8%, you're still a weak corporate borrower. You still need that money and it probably doesn't change that investing, that, that borrowing decision. And so when you raise interest rates, you actually get this in acceleration in, in monetary velocity. And the other reason it happens is that your incentive to keep money in the bank earning zero if there are other ways, if there are other people you can lend to uh, and, and earn something more uh, is less. So, so that the demand for real cash balances goes down. So we know that happens when when interest rates increase. And historically, though, the Fed has 
raise interest rates by restricting reserves. And so you had monetary velocity accelerating, but after a little bit, the restriction on reserves caused money supply growth to go down, and that dragged inflation back down. In the current circumstance, we are facing the greatest inflation that we have since the early 80s. Summers actually has some argument, uh, had an argument in a paper that it it may be, it's much closer than we think to the early 80s, but, but certainly it's the highest inflation since the early 80s. And we have never before addressed inflation, anything like this, with interest rates only. We have never had a monetary policy that did not restrict reserves to banks and and thereby affect bank lending and constrain bank lending and so actively constrain money growth. And so this is, let me be blunt, this is a rotten time to experiment. (laughs) That's exactly what we're doing. By the way, there's nothing you can do here because there's so many excess reserves in the system. There's there's just no way the Fed – the only way the Fed could get rid of all those excess reserves is to simply declare the, the, that banks have a higher re- required reserve ratio, and we don't even do it that way anyway. So it's sort of – it is uh, – it, it, it's not clear that we have any choice but to continue this experiment. But that's my fear. My fear is that this isn't the microwave popping corn problem. My fear is that there's something bigger going on. And because we have moved from the specific case to the general case, I I can't reject that hypothesis. I'd like to be able to reject that hypothesis because inflation at eight or 9% is going to kill all of us, especially the wage slaves. It's horrible. Uh, And so I'd like to be able to say that we're almost done, but, um, but I can't at this point, maybe in a couple of months, maybe in a couple of months, we'll be able to be able to say that. Um, and that's all I have to say about the numbers today. I, I, as usual, I do want to thank you all for tuning in. This is uh, the end of today's podcast, but there will be another one. Uh, and in the meantime, you can contact me at inflationguy at enduringinvestments.com or uh, you can follow my blog at mikeashton.wordpress.com or get the mobile app. At some point here, I'm going to start charging a little bit for the mobile app, but it's free at the moment, so you can uh, get it for free. You can follow me on Twitter at inflation underscore guy. And um, most importantly, of course, defend your money. Now more than ever, you have to be defending your money. And remember, if inflation is coming for you, remember, you know a guy.